It's Sam Ekstrom in once again for Matthew Collar on the Purple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the show. The guest today, you know him, you love him. We affectionately call him Intern Paul of the Pioneer Press. Paul Hodawanik joins us. How you doing, Paul? I'm good, Sam. I'm I'm impressed you attempted the last name. Usually Matt doesn't even attempt the last name. It's that I think I think that's probably why he came up with intern Paul, just so he didn't have to say my last name. So uh, we can we can give him crap for that. So the fact that you attempted that, I'm I'm feeling great now, ready to talk some Vikings. Yeah, I meant to actually ask you just to confirm it before the show, and I took a blind stab right there. I'm so glad that you <laughs> that, that it was acceptable to you because I'm sure. Like, what's the worst that you get? Like, I, I bet I bet you get someone every month that messes it up in some way. Oh yeah, I well, I'm I recently graduated in December, and like you give them the layout for exactly how you say it, and they still couldn't say it even for graduation. So, uh, Hadanawick. Hodawainik, just like they emphasize every part of the name that it, it actually isn't. So yeah, no, the fact that you had no idea what it was and did that blind, very, very impressive. I, I call a lot of high school sporting events and I come across a lot of names and I've gotten to the point where I can guess most of them just by just sort of immersion, just like reading names all the time. I get, I get that, get that instinct. That's my one skill in life is that I can identify <laughs> names. Uh, we're going to talk about some worst case scenarios today for the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to go down a very negative path and discuss what could go wrong in this 2021 season, because I think it's inevitable that for any team, something's going wrong. It's just a matter of like, does it kill your season? Um, do enough things go wrong that you can't overcome it? What could go wrong for this Minnesota Vikings team? So I want to just kind of just ha- think tank this. Let's hash out some thoughts and some doomsday proposals and, and talk about what might happen. And then after this, we'll get into some uh, some NFL headlines and a little bit of Vikings statistical would you rather. But let's start off with some doomsday scenarios. So, Paul, I'll give you the floor first. G- give me something that might derail this team. Maybe we're anticipating it. Maybe we're not. I'm going to go big picture here and I don't think many people are are going to agree with me or maybe they will but this is kind of my hot take in the way that I've been viewing this season and kind of the last few seasons I think for the future of this team one of the worst things that could happen is they go nine and eight or ten and seven if they continue the status quo of winning enough games to maybe sneak in the playoffs or getting to the point where you say, well, if they just made that field goal that one game, then they'd be in the playoffs. And then we, Kirk Cousins plays well for 9, 10, 11 games. He no-shows like he he often does for a few of them. And they continue to re-up his contract. And some people like the direction of being consistently good every year and giving yourself a shot. And the way I've approached it is at least they have tried that for several years now. And it's just not gotten them to that final destination of a Super Bowl or really being competitive for that. And so I just think continuing to pay Kirk Cousins, continuing to have Mike Zimmer, just the status quo of this organization, if we continue to keep doing it year after year, I think for the long-term nature of this team, that could be one of the worst things that happens if they sign him to another three-year contract extension. And this situation, it just feels untenable. It feels like something has to change. And so I think, honestly, that that might be worse than Kirk Cousins getting hurt, the defense not doing well, and then they go 5-12 and 12 because then you have a top pick uh, to work with. If that wants to be a quarterback, you can do that. If you, you have a chance to get a really high-level player, even if that's not a quarterback, and you can kind of move on from there, you have the Kellen Mond escape route. But I just think if they hold – they hold the course that that is like, at least to me, I I'd rather them just go Super Bowl or bust every year instead of what what's kind of going on right now. So that would be my worst case scenario. And it's not probably what everyone's would be. But for me, it just feels like we just can't keep doing the same the same dance every year. Not having direction is especially disconcerting. And I appreciate that you brought that up. Uh, I remember asking Ben Gessling on a roundtable a few weeks ago. I said, if Kirk Cousins duplicates 2019, which was 10 wins, a, a really nice stat line. I think it was, you know, around 20, 
six-ish touchdowns and, and six picks. He took care of the ball pretty well that year. And one playoff win. If he duplicates that, does he get the extension? Ben thought yes. And I tended to agree with him that that would earn him the extension. Um, but you know what? In this era of player empowerment, while the team might extend Kirk, the players around him might not appreciate that. They're getting smarter. Daniil Hunter, you know, has his own grievances. We don't know what they're necessarily related to. Like, it's probably pay. It's probably not Kirk. But we just saw Stefan Diggs kind of force his way out after being frustrated for a couple of years. And again, you know, we don't know how much of that is coaching staff, Kirk, um, being overshadowed by Thielen, maybe by perception, a lot at play here. But we just saw with Julio Jones, you know, the Falcons keep spinning their wheels and Julio wanted out and he got out and now he's with Tennessee. Would the Vikings be risking losing someone like Justin Jefferson in a couple of years if they kept going down this road? And I think the answer would be yes. Like increasingly stars in the NFL are going to look at stars in the NBA who are probably the most influential, you know, athletic figures in our sports culture and say, yeah, like I'm going to take control of my path. And if the team is not going to put a Super Bowl team around me, then I'm going to go, you know, figure it out for myself. And I'm going to use my leverage as a star figure and, and try to make it work for me. And I'm not saying the Vikings are at that point, but I think if they kept kind of down this 500 give or take path again, I think you're right, Paul. I think that would would probably be hurtful to the franchise. And um, if Kirk does go nine and eight, ten and seven, get the extension, um, what does that mean for Kellen Mond? Did they just did they blow the draft pick? Um, that 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 is that is a really good point. And I'll, I'll bring up one of mine, which is a little a little narrower focus. Yours was pretty big picture. I think an O and two start would be pretty devastating for this team. Because if you look at, you know, what happens when a team goes 0-2, it's all out panic. Uh, we saw it last year after they lost to the Colts in embarrassing fashion. And you look at Vikings teams of the past, you know, the, the 2013 team started 0-2 pretty devastatingly. That season kind of felt over. And then Christian Ponder was like out, like he was on the hot seat and it was pretty clear he was going to be done. Um, Tavares Jackson got benched after an 0-2 start back in 2008. So like that's when things start happening. That's when fans start to get angsty. And if the Vikings start 0-2 this year uh, with two of their easier games, honestly, like the Bengals and the Cardinals, that's going to lead to so much noise. Um, you know, should Cousins be benched? Should Kellen Mond get time? Um did the Vike like is the coaching staff on the hot seat? Is Mike Zimmer going to get fired? There are going to be so many negative distractions if the Vikings start zero two, Paul. Yeah, I I agree, and and it, it that opens the door then for the Kellen Mond conversation. Then we start okay, who's the first coach fired? Zimmer he he hasn't he hasn't performed these first two. Then you have all those things, the negativity within that building. If if there is some sort of Zimmer hot seat, like he's not going to be feeling great. The rest of the team isn't going to be feeling great. And again, it's kind of similar to what I said. You don't then have that direction really like to, okay, we're, we're punting on this, but we have these glimmers of hope. I guess you have Justin Jefferson and you say, okay, maybe we're handing it over to Kellen Mond, but right. They, with the signings that they've made this off season, they're, they're trying to win again. They're trying to, kind of push forward with Kirk Cousins with this regime and see what they can do. They're giving him the offensive line help. They're firming up the defense. And they're basically saying, Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, go get it. And Kirk, go get it. Like this, this is your shot. So if 0-2 happens, then they have Seattle next. And they're staring that game in the mm -hmm. face with everything that's happened with Seattle. And then after that, if they lost that, then they have Kevin Stefanski, the head coach they seem to have in waiting like you're just thinking about these, these narratives are now spinning as, okay, now they're 0-3. Cleveland is like this team that people are considering as like a dark horse Super Bowl team. And now you're facing Kevin Stefanski and this team that it, like you wanted to be in what Cleveland could end up being at that point. So yeah, I think an 0-2 start would not be a good, a good situation. They have some easier games after those first four, obviously Detroit, Carolina, 
uh, where they could bounce back. Uh, but yeah, when all the 0-2 teams, they show the stats. I don't know what specifically they are, but I, it might even be 0-3, then like barely anyone makes the playoffs at that point. And so if you're just getting off to that that bad of a start, uh, it, it just sets a bad taste in your mouth and it and it really becomes a large hill to climb uh, the rest of the way. I am curious if the 0-2 hole is as damaging with the 17-game season. Like maybe teams will start having the time to reverse that a little bit more, but usually if you're 0-2, it means you're bad. I mean, like good teams in the NFL playoff teams maybe have one stretch in a season where they lose multiple games in a row. Um, I'm I, And that's just off the top of my head. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like there's more of that, but it feels like you can't afford many losing streaks if you want to be a playoff team. Let me give you a little bit of a prompt um, as we continue our worst case scenarios here, Paul. Um, think offensive side of the ball. And let's let's eliminate Kirk because a Kirk injury is obviously pretty bad. What what's a what's an injury scenario that would worry you on the offensive side of the ball? Oh man, I well, I mean, I think you start with Justin Jefferson and just what he means to this team. Uh, I I think when Adam Thielen was out a couple years ago, when Stephon Diggs was out, and you kind of looked at the the depth chart behind those two wide receivers now in Diggs and Thielen, and they're trying to recuperate it. Uh, I don't know if the Iowa kid, the wide receiver, if he would be ready to step in BC Johnson's there, obviously. And, and obviously caller is one of the biggest proponents of let's get a capable wide receiver three in here for when one of those things happens. But I think that that has to be where you look first is then, then suddenly you, you know, if you, if you lose one of them, you're, you're relying on Irv Smith to be, a really, really good player. You don't have the security blanket in Kyle Rudolph anymore. Uh, and the wide receiver depth chart just kind of falls off. And so that's where I would look first and foremost. They've dealt with Dalvin Cook injuries before. I think they can battle back from any of those. I would then look on the offensive line. I, I think that's the other argument is just uh, they're not particularly deep. They seem to have hopefully a capable starting group at this point with the additions that they made in the draft with Darasaw and Davis. If both those guys come in and start, you presumably have at least a, a decent um, starting lineup. But if you lose one of those tackles, if you lose Brian O'Neill, suddenly all the experience of that offensive line is, is now kind of down the drain. I guess it's Rashad Hill, uh, but you know he hasn't come in more for spot starts and in, in segments. So where are you looking? Are you looking on the offensive line? I don't think I am necessarily because O'Neal is the only one I think where like there's a significant uh, drop off. Like, I don't, I don't know if Ezra Cleveland is going to be good yet. I think he's got potential, but I don't know if he's going to be good. I mean, the, the Mason Cole, you know, could end up being the the great acquisition. Who's kind of the sixth man there. Um, you know, Bradbury, if he gets hurt, I think that's, that's negative. But again, the, the level of play established by the Bradburys, the Clevelands, it, it's not like off the charts. You know, the, those are not Pro Bowl players yet to the point where I'm that concerned. If you lose O'Neal, that's bad, but you do have Rashad Hill. And I think he can sort of thrive in that spot start role, like you mentioned. So as, as cliche as it is, I think you look to receiver and what you really worry about is the double receiver injury, because not only does this team not have really the depth to withstand one receiver injury, they don't have obviously the depth to withstand two. I mean, you can maybe get by as they did in the Carolina game last year when Thielen was out, you can get by short for a short amount of time with one receiver out and then piece together a BC and BB and whoever else group to sort of take his place. What if they both get hurt? I mean, th then then where are you? I, I don't know what you do in that case. You obviously ride Dalvin Cook and you try to get him, you know, going and try to just get the defense on its heels at that point. But uh, you become so limited because BC is not a deep guy. BB is not a deep guy. Who's going to respect your receiving core in that situation? Nobody. I mean, they're going to play like a, a zone, keep everything underneath. They're not going to let you beat them over the top because they can't. So th this team has one roster spot left. And it's, it, it is curious to me, Paul, that 
they've signed like five corners in the last couple of weeks, kind of free agent corners. They haven't done a thing at receiver. You know, I, I know they signed three UDFA receivers, but that that's kind of a, a, an unlikely source to count on, especially for this year. I mean, even out of Thielen didn't contribute right away, took him like three years. So to expect anything from those guys this year is, is unlikely. And the more time that goes by, it, it seems like they're pretty content where they're at you know, with their receiving depth chart. And, and I would just say, I think if any team loses their top two wide receivers, they're not in a good spot. So I don't think the Vikings are alone in that. I don't think teams are ever planning to have both those guys out. I mean, if you just look like top of mind right now is Tennessee. Like if they lost AJ Brown and Julio Jones, like they're not in a good spot. If you're mm-hmm. looking at Atlanta who just got rid of Jones, it's like, if you lost Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, you're not in a good spot. Like green Bay loses Devonte Adams and one of their other wide receivers, like they're not in a good spot. So I think, yes, that would be not good for the Vikings at all, but I'm not sure there really is a team outside of maybe like Tampa or the chiefs or someone that's, really built to lose both of them so yeah i i mean we're talking worst case scenarios that is one and i think that's one that you could really just standard apply to pretty much any team across the league if you're going to lose the top two receivers you're just usually not built with those three and four and five wide receiver roles to be able to just come in and fill fill a lineup let's do a defensive doomsday i would say um and I'm, I'm waffling one. a little yeah. bit here between between Kendricks and Barr again, because I think that that's the area where you have probably the least security. And uh, and you you lost them both last year. And obviously, you know, the, the double linebacker injury was not that was not helpful for the Vikings. If you watch that Saints game. I think I would not want to lose Eric Kendricks again. That's when that's when the defense really went off the rails last year. They got embarrassed by like, even Jacksonville moved the ball on them. Tampa, Chicago, um, New Orleans, and Detroit. The last five games of the year without Kendricks, they allowed over 30 points a game. Um, and people didn't really talk as much about that. Like the the storyline was, ah, the Vikings, their secondary got battered. and But they were playing well, like middle of the season. And then Kendricks got hurt. And then things really got sloppy. And I think that that is the sneaky like spot because I know people don't talk about linebackers as much. They're probably the least important position group on the defense, but Eric Hendricks specifically holds things together. And if they lost him again, I think that would be pretty devastating. Yeah. For this one, I went kind of away from injuries and just kind of with the roster construction, what Mm -hmm. Players could underperform. What things could happen that's not an an injury that's realistic that could really be a worst case scenario. And I kind of went to the secondary group. They signed a lot of guys, but none of them that you would bet your life on is going to be a stud for them or even solid. Patrick Peterson obviously has has clearly lost a step a little bit. He's hoping to rejuvenate himself here. I'm sure that could happen under Mike Zimmer. Uh, But then obviously you have the whole Jeff Gladney situation. You don't know if or when he's ever playing for you again. Cam Dantzler had a really nice um, rookie season, uh, but he's like long and and injury prone there. And so I'm just looking at the cornerback room. And if they don't have a direction after this year, because most of the guys they signed are all on one-year deals. Mm -hmm. Mackenzie Alexander's a one-year deal. Patrick Peterson's a one-year deal. Breland, like these guys are not here long-term. So if one of them doesn't stick out, two of them don't stick out as guys that you can keep, for the next couple years, you can sign to a nice extension and they look like competent contributors for your secondary. I feel like you're just starting back over with the situation you had last year and you're just piecing it together. So I think fans and even me, to some extent, you see it and you say, OK, they they solved their their secondary holes. They feel they got Xavier Woods to uh, go with Harrison Smith. They got all these cornerbacks like they'll be good this year but you just don't know what's going to happen after this year. They didn't spend a high draft pick on someone who could fill in um, for years to come really. So that's where I looked is if they just don't really pan out and you're back to where you were, where you're just getting torched. I, I, that feels like a realistic scenario. Um, if we're not talking injuries, cause it doesn't feel like Kendricks's play is going to fall off. If we're not talking injuries, the defensive line should be good. But the secondary is that one piece where it, it feels like it, it, it could go either way. 
And so again, if we're talking worst case, that feels like that's where my mind jumps and it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem good. Yeah. It could be a wasted year because that defense, like not only would it lose all the one year deals that it just signed, but Harrison Smith might not resign. Anthony Barr is going to be a free agent. So you lose a, like staples of the defense as well. And uh, you know, I, I, we don't know what's going to happen with Daniil Hunter, but I, I think doomsday scenario would also be speaking of Daniil Hunter, that they just can't rush the passer. Like what we saw last year is 85 bears compared to like how bad they are rushing the passer this year. Because if Daniil holds out or gets traded or misses the season for whatever reason, they don't have pass rushing noses. They don't have a pass rushing three tech. And we don't know if their other defensive ends can rush the passer yet. Steven Weatherly hasn't been especially good at it. DJ Wanham is raw. What what else is going to help you get pressure? I mean, Mackenzie Alexander has a mean nickel blitz that like Mackenzie Alexander might be like plus 300 to lead them in sacks this year if they don't have Daniil because I don't know where it's coming from. I I think Patrick Jones and Janarius Robinson, the rookies, are are nice prospects, but I'm not convinced they're going to be in that you know rotation maybe one of them not both of them the this the sack the, the joke last year with Yannick Ngakwe leading them in sacks in six games like they may not even meet that benchmark this year if they don't have Daniil Hunter yeah I I think that that would be really tough and I think they're hoping that that defensive line can kind of create some pressure and can stop the run so it puts less pressure on that secondary and so I think those two kind of go hand in hand. If they can't rush the passer, those those corners are not built to stand out on an island and and play really well. So I think uh, I think maybe if the corners didn't play well, but they could still generate a pass rush, they're they're looking all right um, because at least they're forcing the ball out early. The corners have to cover for a little less time. That could help. But yeah, if the if they can't rush the passer, then those corners that we're already saying are a question mark become and even more relied upon part of the defense. And then that, that it, it's just harder for them if they, if there's no pass rush. So yeah, that would be another bad thing. Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights. And every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your Dollar Bill Krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. I'm I'm getting bummed out with all the with all the um, worst case scenarios that we're laying out here. Yeah, now that our listeners feel dead inside, um, yeah. let's let's move on to some headlines. Uh, here's the bit. I'm just going to read the headline. Headlines courtesy of um, ESPN.com, the NFL page. 
I haven't read the articles. I'm just going to give you the headline. I want you to react to it and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out. So here's, here's the number one headline um, around the league. Big Ben pay cut my idea to aid in Steelers return. Uh, what do you think of the Steelers this year, Paul? Well, first of all, I don't know if, if he, if it was his idea for a pay cut, that seems like a spin on it. I wanted to make <laughs> less money. I'm old. I, I want another shot. Uh, maybe that's true. But for the most part, when those older players voluntarily take a pay cut, uh, voluntarily in air quotations, I, I don't know if they actually take a pay cut. But this, I, the Steelers are a weird one for me. Uh, I, I don't, I don't feel particularly great about them if Big Ben is the quarterback. Just the way that they were so dominant at the start of the year and then completely fell off towards the end. It just seemed like they were riding an unremar- or, or an unreal run by that defense. And we know defense is one of the things that just doesn't carry over year to year. Now, if a defense would carry over, it would seem to be one of those. But they lost Bud Dupree, I believe. That was one of their bigger um, defensive players on that side of the ball. Obviously, they still have TJ Watt. They've got, some, they've got some players on that defense. Don't get me wrong. But especially in that division, when the Bengals should be better, the Browns should be better, they seem like one of those teams that doesn't have a clear direction, like we were talking about a little bit earlier. And there are some other young teams that seem seemingly have more potential. And unless Big Ben returns to some some form of himself from a few years ago, I don't feel great. Where do you where do you land on the Steelers? Well, it's tough. You mentioned earlier the doomsday scenario is spinning your wheels when you're a 500 team. And I look at the Steelers. They've never been below 500 in the Big Ben era, but they have been 500, exactly. They've had some eight and eight years. But here's the thing. You, when you win two Super Bowls, you get leash, right? Like the the Steelers can, I think, afford to be a little more risk. What's the opposite of risk averse? Risk um, embracing when you've got the Super Bowl cred. So you can give Big Ben like a longer leash than you would most quarterbacks. But when you're giving the leash to Kirk Cousins, who doesn't have the cred, like he hasn't proven that he has that in him, then it's more difficult. Um, I, I think that, you know, the writing is on the wall that Big Ben is probably in the twilight. He probably, you know, he doesn't need the money. He's self-aware enough, I think, to understand that it was going to need to, money was going to have to come out of his pocket for that to work. So I, yeah, we'll, we'll let him think it was his idea, but if it wasn't his idea, it would have happened anyway. It would have been the Steelers idea. Um, Next headline source bills, restructure contract of wide receiver digs. That's interesting. I did actually look this up. They just, they, um, they took some of his base and turned it into a signing bonus to save cap. Okay, so nothing, is, nothing, yeah, nothing crazy. Nothing that, crazy. I was going to say, I, it didn't feel like anything was warranted for that contract to change much. Um, so if they're just doing a little bit of the Vikings cap flexibility, um, firming up some some money that they can go out and spend, that's probably a good thing. Um, if Stefan Diggs is still getting the same amount of money, um, I wouldn't really to worry too much about it. But yeah, for a second, my eyes lit up like, I don't think that's the guy you want to uh, rub the wrong way, uh, both because of his talent and what we know he'll do if he's not happy, which is force his way out, which I credit him for if he's not happy. So yeah, uh, you got me there for a second because I was I was worried about it. Um, I should but, have just let you think that they like slashed his pay. Yeah, I would have I, I would have been in shock. But the bill, I where are you on the bills? Where are you on the Josh Allen regression train? Do you think he regresses a lot? Do you think this is a team that stacks up with the Chiefs? Where are you on the on the Bills? Hmm. The Bills are tricky because Josh Allen kind of was an anomaly in like the way he progressed in his third year. That was that was incredible. Uh they the Bills got really fortunate with a lot of their mid-level free agent signings last year. They played the mid-level game and it paid off. They saved a lot of money and they got big performances from guys that had no business performing that well. I don't know if that works again. I don't know if that's a sustainable model. 
And um, and I don't know if you know I I don't know if I can project Diggs having another like fully healthy year. He he does have a propensity to get banged up, and he's got pretty high usage as well. So I I'm a little down on the Bills because I also think the Patriots are going to be better. The Dolphins are pretty good. Jets are going to be less wretched. You know, like that that's a tougher division than it was last year. Yeah, I. I, I don't think I'm in the camp that Josh Allen is going to have crazy regression. Uh, I, I, I'm more of a believer in Josh Allen than not. And I like the way he plays and I think they have a really nice team around him. Um, so I don't know if I believe in the regression as much, but I also agree with the, just the whole, the division around him should be better. They're going to play a more difficult schedule. I haven't seen where exactly they are, but they were top team there. So they're going to face some top teams again. And so I would I would count on a regression in terms of their win percentage and uh just but I, I don't know if I'm I'm ready to say they're losing that division or they're not gonna be a contender. I never really believed they were a contender with the Chiefs, so I'm not there, but they're firmly in that tier two with the Dolphins, with some of those other teams. And I wouldn't be shocked if they take another step and if Josh Allen plays like he did again, uh I can see them being in a similar spot to where they were last year, but uh yeah, I, I'm not I'm not super bullish on them, but I'm not ready to discount them either. Doing some uh some counting here. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Okay, here's why I was counting. Stefan Diggs has the 19th highest average annual value in his contract. Um, after the year he had, he's sort of in Daniil's shoes, right? Um, he's got a couple of years left on his deal. Some might argue he's a top three receiver in the NFL. The 19th highest average annual value while we're talking about his contract. Is this going to be a dispute? Maybe not this year, but in the next couple of years, if, if that's his pay. How many, how many years does he have left? What, what's, what's he on the books for? He is signed through 2023. Um, and yeah, he only played like one year under his Vikings extension. And then last year with the bills, obviously where he made, you know, $14,000 base and now it's been, been restructured. But um, yeah, I mean, he is, he is underpaid, I think for his talent. And let me tell you some of the guys above him, including Thielen for average annual value. Um, Diggs is making like 14 million plus per year. You know, the top paid guys are making, 27 22 20 20 19 it's really similar to Daniil to be honest like I think I think Diggs would feel like he's a 20 million dollar guy um Alan Robinson makes more within the vision Mike Evans Robert Woods makes more Brandon Cooks makes more Chris Godwin Cooper Cup in my mind Diggs is better than a lot of those names no for sure and I think that this is kind of the luxury you have when you're not paying your quarterback a crazy amount of money. And so if they can fit in a Diggs extension before they have to give Josh Allen his crazy contract, whenever that comes up, that feels like the ideal time to to get a Diggs um, contract done. And I don't feel like they're really in the business of not giving him that. I think they gave up a first round pick and I don't think they gave up a first round pick to like after two years, he gets unhappy and then they have to ship him off for less cost because he's only there for one year. So it feels like, that deal is going to get done. He doesn't exactly, if he has three years left on his deal, uh, he's not really in a position to do something crazy and um, say, I want to deal now. However, we're seeing maybe that could be a possibility, but yeah, I'd say pro- he probably plays out this one. And then I could see him getting a deal after next year, uh, barring he doesn't get seriously injured or really drops off. But with the team that they have and the cap structure that they kind of have put themselves in having that, cheap quarterback for now it feels like you kind of you're going to re-up digs and then you re-up allen right at that and then that's kind of your core and having those two guys as your core i think is a spot that you'd sign up for right away so i i wouldn't have any problem giving him more money uh and maybe it's you cut it off early in this contract and then you don't risk yourself too many years down the road if you're worried about how old he's getting or his durability or something like that so you could see it happen earlier in the contract and then you're only adding a year, two years, whatever on his deal. 
the cap's going to spike. It feels like he's primed for something, and maybe that's what he's waiting for, is that cap to spike, and then he can go get a, a big contract one, one, one more time. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's uh, let's do one more headline. Arians, colon, Brady might be coaching at minicamp. I, this feels like he he coaches he coaches every year, kind of. I mean, he's I like during the Patriots run, during every everything. Like Tom Brady has his fingertips kind of all all over the the offense, and so I don't know what coaching like if he'd have an exact role. He's not playing. Maybe that's the case where he's not really playing much in training camp, which I don't blame him either. He's getting old. He has nothing to prove. Just go go through the motions. It also allows uh, Tampa to kind of, if he's not playing, it allows them to see what they have in the Trask, who they drafted, so you can let him get some more reps. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see what he's all about. So if, if that coaching role means he's not practicing as much, I, I don't think that's a problem at all. You get to see what you have behind him. He if that's what he wants to do, you're making him happy. So that's another good thing. And he basically is coaching out on the field anyways. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Let him do what he wants. And, and yeah, I think he's coaching anyways, but if that's an extra role that he has, I'm, I'm all for it. Imagine being Trask in this situation because it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for a rookie quarterback because Brady has accomplished everything. I don't think he's insecure anymore. You know, I don't think he's looking over his shoulder. I don't think he's worried about the second round pick that's going to come up behind him. I think Brady, I would imagine, is giving Trask everything that he knows. I don't think there's a like a wall there between Rodgers and Favre or Rodgers and Love now, like where there's animosity. I, I would assume that Trask is getting the best possible education from Tom Brady. I would be curious if it's the same with Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond. I think that's the dynamic we we don't know. Um, but when you have seven Super Bowls, you don't need to worry about anything. Tom Brady has, you know, the lifetime golden ticket. He's the starter for eternity if he wants to be. And Trask can just soak it in. And odds are, Trask might get a chance at some point. I don't know if Brady is going to see too many more years. He is, he is immortal. He is, you know, everlasting, but he might hang it up and, uh, and then we'll get to see what he taught the guy. Yeah. And this, this doesn't like, I'm no draft guru or expert, but just reading it, like this isn't some sort of like Jimmy Garoppolo prospect where they felt like he could come in and like, this was kind of a steal of a second round pick. Like Trask has a lot of warts. And again, he, this is a few years more down the line. Brady, I'm sure now probably has a a timeline in his mind where he, he has an exit strategy. Maybe he didn't have that four or five years ago whenever Garoppolo was drafted. So yeah, it doesn't feel like that situation is at all similar. Doesn't feel like Trask was really, it, he Trask seemed more like he was drafted as just a, a long shot of potentially filling in once Brady leaves, not really the Brady replacement. He doesn't seem like he has the air. He has the keys to the kingdom right when Brady leaves. And yeah, I think Brady is pretty secure in where he's at and I think he's realized he can start wherever he wants if that's what he wants. So if Tampa were to force him out, some other team's going to offer him a boatload of money to come to them. So yeah, I, again, I think the coaching thing's super cool. And yeah, I, I think at this point he's, he's probably just trying to help that organization if and when he does leave here in the near future. I got to get your take on the match Brady and Mickelson Rogers and DeChambeau. What, who, who do you have? Oh man. I mean, I'm not a Bryson guy. We're both golf guys. Um, and I'm not a Bryson guy. And nor so, I. nor am I, um, I, but I'm also not super a fan of like all the like things that Brooks is saying to him, but we don't have to spin off into golf talk. I think that'll be really fun. Uh, I have no idea how good Rogers is at golf. He seems to kind of be good at everything, uh, much to the dismay of many Minnesota fans. He seems to kind of be good at whatever he's doing, whether it's jeopardy or football or, whatever um so i'll watch i'll watch to hear the digs that they take at bryson uh that they take at rogers and the packers uh i think that has to be appointment viewing just for whatever brady says to him whatever whatever phil whatever what just whatever happens um there because i i think phil will crack a joke brady will crack a joke rogers will have to respond kind of weirdly about his situation so i'm all for it i'm i'm ready for it i'm ready to see what happens and I hope something newsworthy comes out of it that that we can talk about on the podcast. 
Yeah, I I still don't think they have had the best possible foursome yet for that. Like t- Tiger Woods is obviously Tiger Woods, but he's not that engaging on these things. And he's been a part of a lot of them. Peyton Manning's pretty good. Phil, anything he says about golf, I'm locked in because I'm trying to learn. I'm like, oh, that's how you chip the ball. Okay, I gotcha. But, you know, Steph Curry was not that interesting. Charles Barkley, he's the butt of every joke, and we're all focused on his golf swing. But, I mean, he's he's average. I think this has potential to be, like, a really good dynamic because Brady's going to be more confident this year. He's won the Super Bowl. He, You know, he got the warts out last year. Mickelson is going to be Mickelson. He's going to be very cocky coming off the USO or the uh, the PGA victory. Rogers has that wry humor about him, and yes, there's going to be some Packers talk for sure. I just want to see Bryson let loose. Like I want to see Bryson have fun because I think he takes himself way too seriously, and he's got his own insecurities about you know how he's different and he he is. He's kind of he's kind of in uh, an unlikable and and as you alluded to, you're not a Bryson guy. He's not very likable. So I want to see Bryson out of his shell. That's my one demand for the match this year. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready for it. And I like it didn't seem like Aaron Rodgers was really raring to go to play with Bryson. So I'm interested to see that dynamic too because he doesn't Bryson's personality doesn't seem like it would quite fit with Aaron's either. So that'll be that'll be fun. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how scout logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Okay. In closing, I've got three would you rathers for you Vikings related statistically related. Let me give you a couple scenarios. I want you to pick which one you would opt for. Thielen and Jefferson combine for 2,000 yards or Dalvin Cook gets 2,000 all-purpose yards all by himself? I think I'm in the camp of the Jefferson and Thielen getting 2,000 yards. Uh, For me, that shows that Jefferson is continuing on his development of being a really, really good wide receiver. So that indicates to me he's playing really, really well. It indicates to me that Thielen is continuing to play well in an older age and that his body can hold up, that his play style can hold up as his athleticism goes a little bit. And I, I mean, just wide receivers are more valuable than running backs. So I think if they're performing at a high level and we're seeing both of them play well, I think that means the Vikings had a more successful season. And as much as Dalvin cook means to this team, I just don't think he's as important for the future as Justin Jefferson or even Adam Thielen, if we're looking two, three years down the road. Um, so that would be a dominant season from Dalvin Cook, and maybe that would set up the offense, but I, I think it probably works both ways. And so if I'm picking one, I'm going to pick the wide receivers. So for reference, last year, the wide receivers combined for around 2,300. Uh, Dalvin Cook had 1,900 yards from scrimmage, and he missed two games. So if Dalvin goes over 2,000 all-purpose, that represents improvement. And it means that Dalvin Cook stayed healthy. And to me, that's a bigger question than Adam Thielen staying healthy or Justin Jefferson staying healthy. Um, So in that sense, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook because even though we, we, we talk about running backs being a little less important, that does mean the Vikings are doing what they want to do offensively if Dalvin Cook is having that much success. Um, So I'm going to go with that one. Scenario number two. Um, either the Vikings defensive line 
has a season like last year, their leading sack getter has five sacks or, or they're kicking their kicker, whoever that might be, um, hits 70% of his field goals. Uh, I would rather have the kicker that has 70% of his field goals if it means we're having a dominant defensive line. I mean, we're used to kickers playing really badly. And um, I think I think the kicking thing is a really sore subject for uh, Minnesota Vikings fans. I mean, myself as a Vikings fan, I remember that Blair Walsh uh, kick uh, like it was yesterday. I remember laying on the ground for like 20 minutes, just staring at the ceiling, contemplating life while that right after that happened. Uh, like in the silence as like eight people are just sitting there heartbroken. So believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm there, but I don't think the, the team can sustain another defensive line performance like they saw last year and they're out on the field more. I just feel like that is more important uh, to the overall um, success of this team is if they play well, I mean, my, my heart says, I just want a kicker that makes all his field goals. Uh, But if I'm thinking logically, I think, the more important piece would be if the defensive line gets back to average or above average and, and, and they can be kind of a force there. Boy, I want to agree with you, but there's also something about rolling the dice on the defensive line and, and having the kicker that makes his kicks. Now, I guess I should have set up the alternative. Like is the kicker going to make more than 75, more than 80, more than 85, Let's say that kicker du jour makes 90% of field goals. That would be pretty meaningful, I think, to be able to trust that kicker because the Vikings had no faith in Dan Bailey in the last three games of last season. And he cost them the previous game, arguably, against Tampa. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they win, maybe they don't. But it would have been close. Um, I think that Ryan Ficken needs a break. Like He needs to not have to worry about the field goal kicker this year. If it were today, it's probably Greg Joseph, but maybe Riley Patterson makes a charge. Maybe they sign someone who's been cut, kind of like with Dan Bailey, um, a veteran who was cut. Maybe that's the play. But I think I would rather go with a field goal stability because of how that just changes everything. Um, You know, if, if your defensive line is not getting sacks, you can still get pressure. You can still create turnovers. So I guess I'll roll the dice on that and I'll go with the better field goal kicking. Uh, Let's do one more. Would you rather have uh, Kellen Mond playing four or more games for you? Or would you rather have Daniil Hunter miss the whole season? Uh, I I guess this goes to where you think the team is and what they can be this year. Um, Because if you believe that the Vikings are kind of right in the thick of it and have a playoff run in them, then I think not having Kirk Cousins for four games is probably pretty damaging to them. I don't think you go better than one and three in the games that he's in, depending on where it is in the schedule. So if if your mindset is, I, I think this team is playoff bound, I think they have aspirations, I'm probably looking at that quarterback and just how important that is and knowing that they, although the defensive line performance was horrible last year, they went a year without it. They now get um, Michael Pierce back. They sign another defensive lineman. They draft a couple guys. So, so to me, if, if, if you're coming from a spot of, I think they're a contender, I feel like losing Kirk Cousins for four games is probably where you're going to go because then you're believing that Kirk Cousins is there to do that. Um, and so I think I'd go with that. I don't necessarily believe that they're uh, a strong playoff contender in their current form. Uh, I think this podcast episode, when we're going through some of the um, doomsday scenarios, a lot of them seem too realistic and not as much doomsday. Like some of them seem like they're just going to happen. And so for me, I'm not there. So then maybe I, maybe I want to see Daniel Hunter playing because that tells me he's healthy. That tells me he's happy here. And that tells me that, the Vikings have their star defensive lineman back. And so I might pick that instead. And then we can see what we have in Kellen Mond for a few games. And maybe that means the Kirk Cousins era is over. We're looking elsewhere. That's probably where I would go. But if you're, I can see both sides to the argument. Where, where do you come down? I don't know if it's going to take that many wins to take this division. So in that sense, 
you need to bank up wins with your quarterback on the field. So while we talked about how nine and eight is kind of a doomsday scenario, that might still get you to the playoffs. And that, you know, makes our job more interesting and it, and it creates at least a little bit of intrigue going into the playoffs. And, and I would still prefer that to going uh, six and 11. I don't know if that's the best path for the franchise, but if Kirk Cousins plays all 17 games, hard to see them not going 500 or better. Um, so I think they can probably get by without Daniil again this year. It gets harder. Um, I think the defensive line would be pretty punchless. But I, I, I believe in this offense. Like I believe that with a little, a little nuance uh, in the way they call the game, they can, they can do great things. They have the pieces to do it. They just need, I think, the leadership to do it and the drive. Like last year, it just seemed like they were complacent. Uh, this year, I think they need to really put the pedal down and try to make up for all the warts on defense. Just try to outscore everybody if you have to. That That's always been the Kirk Cousins mantra, too. He wants to be able to score 50 if he needs to or 15 if he needs to. Score 50 once in a while. Hey, the Saints did it against the Vikings, so it's it's possible. Paul? This has been a delightful conversation. Started off kind of negative, but that was that was by design. Uh, we won't hold it against you. Uh, thank you so much for joining, man. Yeah, happy happy to fill in for caller and let him get a little bit of a vacation. He he, boy, we we know he needs it after this full year of stuff. So happy to fill in. Yeah, uh, taking a vacation and still submitting an Anthony Barr story for the website <laughs> today. Great Can't vacation, caller. Vacation Can't much? Go to the beach or something, man. Uh, Paul, what are you on Twitter? Just so people know. Uh, I'm just at Paul Hodawanik. So that's H-O-D-O-W-A-N-I-C. Um, I'm sure we'll tweet it out with my handle in it. So you can just follow me there if you'd like for some Vikings takes, some gopher takes, and some random interspersing of Pioneer Press coverage. So Good stuff. Check out his work. He's Paul Hodawanik. I'm Sam Ekstrom. It's the Purple Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.